So speaking of the little ones, there's a pastor named Roger Lovett, and he tells a story about his daughter. And when she was very little, she would crawl up in his lap, and she would take his face between her little hands, and she would say, look at me. And she would wait until he was looking right at her. She had his undivided attention, and she would say, Daddy, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And she kept asking him that question. She did that over and over again for years. And then she stopped, and he figured she either stopped wondering or she was a little weary of what he described as his pitiful answers. Um, but every time she did that, crawled up in his lap, got his undivided attention, and asked, where's Jesus? It kind of unnerved him. Marilyn McIntyre is a teacher of English, professor actually, and she's an author, and she moved from one part of the country to one of the more beautiful seaside uh, villages here in California, and um, one of her friends soon after that came and visited her, and her friend from, was from what she described as a less self-consciously glamorous part of the country. And they were sitting outside, and they were there by the ocean. It was absolutely beautiful. And they were watching the, the young and the fit lounging around on the grass under the palm trees. And her friend turned to her and somewhat jokingly, but not jokingly, said, where are all the ugly people? Could it be that those two questions have any kind of relationship to one another? Where's Jesus? Where are all the ugly people? Let's give our attention to Matthew 25, a story that some may know, some may not know, but this is a story that Jesus tells about the end of time and what's going to happen. This is Matthew 25, verses 31 through the end of the chapter. And let me lead us in prayer as we listen. Jesus, we want to hear you speaking to us, and we ask that by your spirit, you would open up our ears, our hearts, our lives to you. Amen. Listen to God's word to you. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered to before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to those at the left hand, you that are accursed, 
depart from me into the eternal fire, prepare for his devil and his angels, the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. Wow, that's quite a scene. Jesus coming in all of his glory, and all of the angels are there. That by itself is amazing. All the nations are gathered before him, and he as a shepherd at the end of the day in Palestine would separate the sheep from the goats, starts to sift and sort through them. And on the right, he puts the sheep. They're welcomed into life with him forever. And he says to them, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you gave me clothes. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was sick, you took care of me. I was in prison, you visited me. And they have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. They have no clue of ever seeing Jesus in any of those circumstances and taking care of him. And yet he says, whenever you helped anyone in any of these stripped circumstances, you actually did it to me. And then he will turn to the goats on his left and say, depart from me, you who are accursed. Go to the eternal punishment prepared for the devil and his angels because I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was naked, you did not give me clothes. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. I was sick, I was in prison, you did not visit me. And they too have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Lord, when? When did this happen? Truly I tell you, he says to them, whenever you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And then the passage concludes that the accursed will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. Perhaps what's most striking about this story for us is the judgment. Did that bother you? Kind of get under your skin or maybe surprise you a little bit? You know, we do know that our choices have consequences. We teach that to our children and yet, I think for some reason, we often lose sight of this when it comes to the kingdom of God. But for everybody else in this story, the most shocking thing is not the judgment. The most shocking thing is the relatedness of the two questions. Where's Jesus? Where are all the ugly people? And it turns out the answer is the same. The Lord Most High is found among those most low. And the list is repeated four times for emphasis. The least of these, my brothers and sisters. 
Now, earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends messengers to Jesus, and he wants to know, he wants them to ask him if he's the Messiah or not, should they be waiting for another. And this is the answer that Jesus sends back to John the Baptist in prison. He says, you go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. You know, I wonder what John the Baptist thought when he got that answer. Because here he is in prison, waiting for the corrupt powers that put him there to be brought down from their thrones, and Jesus doesn't say anything about that. He just makes a list and a catalog of the people that in their day, they would consider them the ugly people. And now they are being helped by him. These are the people that actually were not even welcome in the temple because they were unclean, because they were beggars or worse. And blessed is anyone, Jesus says at the very end, who takes no offense at me. Interesting that he added that. Obviously, he knows that nobody was expecting God's Messiah to show up in that way. Not even John whom Jesus considered the most powerful and important prophet of all time. So he adds that phrase. So, who are the ugly people today? Who are the offensive ones in whom we would never expect to encounter Jesus? That's a really important question, isn't it? Because it could be the difference between actually welcoming Jesus or not welcoming Jesus. The answer to that question could be the difference between entering into his kingdom or not entering into his kingdom. And I bet you're waiting for me to answer the question for you. But I also bet that you already have people in mind that are bubbling up as you hear this question raised. And I want you to take a moment and turn to the person beside you, in front of you, or behind you, and just tell, you who, tell them who's coming up for you right now as you think about who the ugly people are today, the offensive ones, in whom we would least expect to encounter Jesus. All right, just move down the pew, turn to someone beside you, behind you. Who comes to mind for you? Just take a moment to do that. They want to just say out loud um, who came to mind? The homeless. the homeless. 
I'm sorry, the what? Say it a little louder. The refugees. The caravan. Yeah, there are some great answers. Um, and it's interesting, you know, as we share these answers, sometimes we share these answers and hope that somebody else will listen to what we're saying, pay attention. And yet I think in this instance, God is hoping that we will pay attention to what we're saying. Every month there's a group of faith leaders in this community that get together. And at last month when we got together, Reverend Dr. George Cummings, he's an African-American Baptist pastor from across the bay, he was teaching us. And he mentioned a book by the late Howard Thurman that's titled Jesus and the Disinherited. It's a classic, he said. I'd never heard of it. But you can tell I love the title so much that I titled my sermon after that book. That's where Jesus is. And this pastor, Dr. Cummings, said the question for us is not, are you a follower of Jesus? But which Jesus are you following? Are you following the Jesus who stands with those whose backs are up against the wall? Because that's where Jesus is. And if we are his followers, that is where we will be too. I remember when I was in seventh and eighth grade, and then it wasn't called middle school, it was called junior high school. And periodically they would have these school dances. I'm sure they don't do this now. But they would clear out the whole cafeteria of the tables and they would have all the boys stand on one side and they would have all the girls stand on the other side and you just waited for someone cool, someone really cool to come ask you to dance. I actually have no idea how anyone had the courage to walk across that room. But you know that they certainly weren't going to ask one of the ugly people, right? And yet our passage gives us a picture of Jesus as one who walks across that floor, heads toward the most unpopular group of people with their backs up against the wall, knowing that nobody is going to come their way. And he says, these are my peeps. These hidden ones right here, the most unpopular ones in the room, these are my peeps. And if you want to hang out with me, you're going to hang out with them. And we do want to hang out with Jesus. Isn't that our spiritual goal? We want to really, really, really know him so intimately that we become like him. You know, I have noticed that people who do follow this Jesus not only hang out with the least in their particular part of the world, wherever that is, but they no longer perceive them as the least. Have you noticed that? They change the narrative. Let me give you an example, perhaps the most famous one. Mother Teresa looked around her world in Calcutta and started to hang out and did hang out with the most offensive, the dying on the streets poor. But they weren't ugly to her, were they? For her, what did she say? They were the very presence of Jesus. They were the very face of Jesus to her. She changed the narrative. My personal hero, Father Gregory Boyle, 
who works among gang members in LA. He hangs out with the scariest dudes on the planet, I think. Not just because they're covered with tattoos that are somewhat intimidating, but they are kind of trained murderers in their gang violence, but he doesn't see them as people that he is saving. No, literally, he sees them as people who are saving him, who are teaching him, who are spiritual mentors to him. Jean Vanier, who works among the La Arche communities with the developmentally disabled, he doesn't talk about the residents of this community as people who are disabled and then the staff who take care of them. No, everybody's a part of the community. Everybody's mutually revealing the holy to one another. Following Jesus is such a different kind of dance, isn't it? He moves us across the rooms of our lives to those with whom nobody wants to dance, and all of a sudden, they become our teachers. And not only that, they become Jesus himself. And my guess is that you have experienced this already in some way. Perhaps when you have tutored a student who just can't keep up. Perhaps when you've given a ride to a shut-in who can't get out, who is lonely, given a ride to a medical appointment, perhaps with the panhandler outside Trader Joe's, perhaps when you've gone on a mission trip to an impoverished, extremely impoverished area of Mexico or Romania, how often have we heard or said, they bless me more than I bless them? It's holy ground. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. The risen Jesus changes the dance, changes the narrative. The disinherited and those who love them become the inheritors. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Roger Lovett's little girl grew up. Now she has children of her own, and she's a third grade teacher. And she tells her father, her pastor father, about some of her students, like Latron, whose only safe place in all the world is in her classroom. Like the Indian student who can barely speak English, who comes and sits as close to her desk as she can possibly get, and sits there with wide, frightened eyes. Like the bully who wants her attention all day long. And Roger's pretty sure if he asked his teacher daughter today, where's Jesus? He knows exactly what she would say. Let's pray. Jesus, you, you who have described yourself as the way, the truth, and the life, a narrow way, a different truth than the dominant narrative all around us. 
a life greater than death. O God, fill us with you. Fill us with your mercy, embodied in Jesus Christ, with your love, your eyes, that see those whose backs are up against the wall and goes there to receive the sacrament of your presence. Lead us to know you, to learn your dance from the least of these, our brothers and sisters, to follow your lead. For we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.